Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Have We Made It Yet podcast. It's the podcast where we talk about the process of making it and we ask ourselves if we've made it yet. It's kind of slightly torturous because the answer is usually. Anyways, my name's I'm comedian Josh Yang. And I'm the actor Lucas Ng. The actor Lucas Ng and we are your co-hosts. And at the top of our podcast, we like to ask each other, this torturous question. Hey, Lucas, have you made it yet? Um, I would give it a 100% no. Um, uh-huh. But things are picking up in the industry. If you're an actor, uh, auditions are happening, and they're all over Zoom. So actually, since we're actually doing this podcast over Zoom, it's great practice because you actually get to see how you're looking at when you're like miming things for a Tim Hortons commercial, mm. you know? Eat a sandwich, drink an ice cap, eat a Timbit. It's all yeah, that. It's so all that. Things are picking up again, so fingers crossed that um, more auditions will come and that we will try to get back to normal. But even being on set is going to be weird. So that's another that's another episode's question right there. Yeah, Mr. Josh Yang. Yes. Have you made it yet? Well, you know. I haven't made it yet, but I feel like I've been, you know, gypped. I've, I've been, I've been, you know, missold on this idea of the dream because I should have made it. I should have made it by now. And you, and I say now because the day that this podcast release is July fourteenth, uh. and it will officially be. Well, I count it as officially. It'll officially be the one year anniversary since I did my first on stage set. Uh, through the LOL comedy class that's uh, held up at Absolute Comedy. Um, so I was able to perform up at Absolute Comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a great environment because it was pretty much everybody's class classmates. Um, friends and family was in for this. So it was like a warm crowd. Everybody got it. So it was a nice little home game advantage type of thing. Yeah, yeah. started off and it was a, it was a great show. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's been one year since then. And I, I have would have expected to be, you know, doing theaters already because that's what's that's what everybody expects, right? After Where's one your year. Netflix special, man. Seriously, uh, come on. <laughs> yesterday. It should have been yesterday. Why was I never? But anyways, okay, no. Um, but yeah, no, it's only been a year. But even even then is like, you know, I started off trying to be keep my expectations low, but still the year has been actually exceeded my expectations in what I was able to do and perform. And mm-hmm. it was, I'm not gonna lie, a lot of it was thanks to our guest for this episode. Oh, you remember, you remember Joe Vu from last episode as being one of this dynamic duo of teachers yeah. uh, for the LOL comedy class. Today's guest on the one year anniversary is the other teacher. He is a veteran of the Toronto comedy scene. 
Uh, he's also a writer and actor as well. And not only that, not only does he teach the LOL comedy class, but he's been doing comedy clubs across the country. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been featured on Just for Last, JFL 42, Kevin Hart's LOL Network. Uh, he's written for This Hour is 22 Minutes, uh, CBC Radio's Laugh Out Loud, and Sirius XM. And in 2016, he won the Toronto Comedy Brawl, which I was looking forward to do this summer as like my first uh, shot at it. But he won it in 2016. So it is the very funny and the teacher who started it all for me, Mr. Fawad HP. Oh, wow. Thank you. That was such a nice intro. <laughs> I, I definitely did not just read it all off of your website because I yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad, I'm glad someone goes to that website. I don't think anyone <laughs> <does>. <laughs> it's a solid website. It's got a nice big face, uh, face of yours right there. So it's like you get it right away. Um, but yeah. yes, thank you, Fawad, for joining us on the, the Have We Made It Yet podcast. Thank you, Josh and Lucas. Excited and, to be here. And, um, you know, off the top, we do always ask our guests very open and we we let our guests decide how they want to answer this but it's have you made it yet Fawad? I would say by most people's definition definitely not uh, but I am a full-time artist in Canada so I don't like I haven't had a day job in it'll be three years this year so in that regard I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> wow yeah. man isn't that isn't that also yeah being a full-time like artist in Canada, like in the States, like there's a lot more options and like ways you can do it. But in Canada, geez, it is hard to, it's very limited for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, it's, it's so silly because we, in Canada, we love to pretend that it's like, Oh, it's our population that's keeping us from having these opportunities. Right. Uh, But like the UK and Australia, they don't have like massive populations like the U S does and they have their own industries. And that's because they have a lot of like, uh, similar to, I guess, CanCon. I don't know what they're called, but like they have their, they have these like these uh, mandates for their own content on top mm-hmm. of stuff they can license externally. Whereas our uh, our like media has basically stripped those CanCon restrictions, so now mm-hmm. they can just license stuff from abroad. Right, which is bullshit. <laughs> so oh, in man. spite of that, I'm still making money. <laughs> if you go to hell, that, fucking that, right. That's pretty much make it in it uh, in Canada. There you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a long process to get there, right? Especially for new comedians. Like you shouldn't have an expectation of being anywhere making money. Mm-hmm. Like you, even for you, you, you just said like, you've only just been able to not have to have a day job for the last three years. Um, yeah. With all that in mind though, like in the beginning when you first started, like what really kind of pushed you to take that step and be like, you know what? I'm going to rough it out. I'm going to grind it out. This is what I want to do. I, I just loved it. Like when I got into stand up, I, I loved it so much and it was so much fun. Despite how incredibly brutal it is, I was still enjoying myself. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, I didn't really have any direction at the time in my life. I was just kind of like, I just got out of university. Mm. didn't really know what I wanted to do with my undergrad, which was in English. So, pretty useless to begin with. Uh, and I, I had a hard time with social anxiety and I also wanted to act, but like, I didn't know how to, uh, to go about acting. <laughs> so, right, yeah. so I'm like, uh, this is like the cheapest thing I can enter. It's, it's like the soccer of the arts world. You don't need anything. <laughs> show up yeah. and, and kick the ball. You know? 
Nice. That's true. Yeah, so. You only need a ball in soccer. You only need a mic. Or you sometimes you don't even need a mic. You just need people. You don't even need a mic. You yeah. show up and there's people there and you just start talking to them. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, do you remember? I know, like, for me, I took your guys' class, which I highly recommend to anybody who wants to even just dabble you, in it, you. get understanding of it. Um, because I, I took a lot out of it. Um, and I think it, it is a lot of, like, however much effort you put in the more like you absolutely out. and you put in a fantastic effort like it really showed oh. in the grad show oh thank you i <laughs> i think i just realized i was fishing a little bit for that i don't know as i was describing it i don't know why i felt like oh maybe i'm trying to anyways i i wouldn't give it to you if i didn't believe it so <laughs> you can fish all you want i'm not gonna give right. it to you for nothing <laughs> i don't know why i had a sudden self-awareness of what i was doing um but anyway i appreciate that i think i'll probably another reason why i gave you that compliment because if, yeah. if, if if you were the kind of person who wasn't aware of their like fishing i'd be like go to hell josh yeah <laughs> keep fishing buddy <laughs> like, fishers should go to hell um but yeah, so the thing I, I wanted to talk, uh, get on point was uh, because I learned a lot from getting a base foundation of like the structure, but then also like kind of a bit of the mindset and being able to practice it. You know, what was your way of like learning the craft to a point where like now you're teaching, you, you have a deeper understanding. Like how did you start getting to that point where you start learning the craft of writing jokes? So for me, I would say it started a long time ago, way before I did stand up. I just had no idea that it was happening. I mm. just thought I was like, you know, repeating jokes to my friends. It started uh, with The Simpsons. That's like the, the earliest I can remember. Yeah. I would watch episodes. And then when my dad would come home from work, I would sit him down and just recite the entire episode, like front to back, including all the jokes. Yeah. And in doing so, like I, I read this really cool book called talent is overrated and in the book they talk about how talent's not really a thing it's usually hard work uh right. that gets people to these like places but you, you don't see the hard work so you just be like oh they were just born with it but you don't see like the you know ten thousand hours or whatever it is they're putting in so yeah. the best way this book uh suggests the, that the best way to learn something is to take something that someone's already like whatever you want to learn uh obviously this is like a little easier done with the arts than like sports per se but just take something that you, someone else has done and you love and just recreate it on your own. Mm -hmm. and, and in doing so, you'll learn the structure that they used to create that. Because like, art always has a structure, even like crazy paintings that don't look like anything. That person learned structure first, and then they were able to like play right. with the canvas and the paint and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for me, it was like the, the Simpsons. I was repeating the jokes back to my dad. And in doing so, I was learning joke structure over and over again. Uh, and just reinforce that in my mind, which later led to me being like the funny friend in my group, which eventually led to like my friends being like, hey, you should try stand up. Uh, yeah. And then eventually getting to stand up. But I remember there was a point where I was watching, I can't remember who it was, but they did a joke. And for some reason in my head, the word misdirect came up. Mm. And I was like, yes. And I was like <laughs> two or three years in. I'm like, more of that. All the time, misdirection, <laughs> <laughs> which is what comedy is, right? It's all about right. tricking people into looking, looking over here, and then really it's over here. Yeah, like word magic. Yeah, and like I totally agree with that. I, I would say a lot of even for me, I think it was a lot of watching Friends and like, you know how there's a there once you watch enough of kind of sitcom television, you realize there's a, always a rhythm to the writing. It's it's like you mm -hmm. can kind of see where it's going. And for me, my voice, I didn't realize this until a little later. Like I 
kind of developed more of Chandler's mannerisms. So like, <laughs> I thought he was the funniest. He always had the cleverest jokes. So I was like developing his sarcasm subconsciously. And it was like, I always, that, that was one of the things when it came to start doing comedies. Like I knew I was funny, but I was so worried about not being able to translate that into a mm. structure. And then it, it sometimes does take, you know, ha- getting that kind of experience and um, teaching of like taking what you think, you know, like subconsciously and then just putting it in a, like a lesson that is like, oh, that's what I would meant. Well, that's what I thought that was. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it was like even for you guys, when it comes to teaching it, like when you guys first started teaching it to when like your latest iteration that's going to be on Zoom, like how have you learned the craft of writing from that was different from when you started teaching it to like say now if if you've learned anything uh i would say my my writing is for sure tighter because i'm every time i'm teaching this you know this this concept of the the setup and misdirect and the setup creating an expectation misdirect twisting or subverting that expectation it's reinforcing it in my mind as well and not just the the lessons but the feedback as well right while we're sitting there in the class and everyone's getting feedback on their jokes and as I offer possible, you know, places to, to subvert expectations, I'm in, in turn still flexing that muscle for myself. Mm-hmm. So now I find my, my writing is, is, has definitely gotten a lot tighter to the point where I can uh, write most of my jokes as like a bunch of one-liners just like stacked on top of each other. So like basically every other line is a last point. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, in terms of the, the brutality that you said of, of stand-up comedy was, um can you you know acting has its own kind of brutality in the terms of like bombing auditions and also being on set and like forgetting lines and everything like that it, w- would you say comedy or acting has the more brutal aspects or uh, which one? Oh, like of the two i would say for yeah. sure comedy mm-hmm. uh acting for sure can be rough like i've had some rough act auditions and whatnot but there's something like special especially because acting often is not your thoughts and ideas mm-hmm. like you're going in there you're right. someone else's life whereas in stand-up you go in and it's you it's like your soul you're mm-hmm. bearing and then there's you know three people in the room uh they're all on their phones and they're talking loudly to their friends in the back yeah and it's just like absolutely brutal whereas yeah in uh and at least in the auditions they'll, they'll at least be polite like thank you thanks for coming (laughs) you stand up you don't even get that you get nothing and you'll like it that's that's (laughs) Uh so in the early days of of you like going into those shows where you like bared your soul in front of three people and they're all not even paying attention to you how did you work through that and what were Mm -hmm. your kind of i guess mind tricks to make you pursue that craft still yeah so i I, I learned very quickly because my, my first show was a book show with like a big audience because mm-hmm. I had a friend who had started stand up at the time and he hooked me up with like the producer of the show and I was able to get on this like actually relatively prestigious show that doesn't exist anymore but at the time was like a Canadian comedy staple like it'd been around for a long time. Ooh. So I thought that's what stand up was going to be. I'm like, wow, audience is all the time. <laughs> and then like I think it was like my second or third show was like an open mic. I'm like, oh, this is the reality <laughs> that I'm facing now. And uh, I think I just learned very quickly that this isn't uh, like open mics and like the, that, which, you know, is where the brutality is at its highest. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I learned very quickly to, to accept that as like not my destination, but just like a, a step in the right direction. 
And I, I tried to, I guess subconsciously, and I think as my open mic career like kind of shortened and I was able to like progress, uh, I, I consciously realized that this isn't a place for me to necessarily get better at comedy. It's a place, oh. uh, not necessarily, I guess it, uh, it is in, in one way uh, in that you're like learning to perform and that is comedy as well. But I mean, uh, gauging whether or not how funny my writing is, this is not the place for that. What right. open mics are for, if it happens, great. If not, uh, for me, the, the main purpose of an open mic is to get comfortable with being on stage and get comfortable with your, your, your jokes just bombing. As mm. like as hard as that is, just let them because it, our instinct as comedians, we're often incredibly insecure people. I'm sure actors are also insecure individuals. Yeah. Like, we want that attention. Yeah. Look at me! And then when we don't get it, we're like, no, please, I need it. <laughs> but the, our instinct is to like have a save, and and I'm I'm guilty of this uh, as well. But like you do a joke, the joke doesn't land, and then you're like, ah, you guys didn't like that one, and then everyone's like, haha, we didn't. Yeah. You're right. And like that gets like a bit of a reaction. So you're like, good, I'll, I'll use that. But it, I, I often try to tell students that if you can get to uh, a point in your stand-up comedy where you do a joke it, at an open mic or mm -hmm. whatever, and it doesn't land and you give it a second to like breathe and nobody still laughs and you can move on to the next joke without addressing it and mm -hmm. also feeling like the pang of failure, which is right. a, a, a very real thing. Maybe it, shows on your face maybe it doesn't depending on like how good your, your poker face is but mm -hmm. if if you still feel that pain i think we still belong there. you need to like keep working if mm -hmm. you can do a joke have it not land and not feeling that pain of failure then and you can just move on to the next joke and not have to be like ah that one's stuck or whatever then mm -hmm. you're ready to move on mm. so you really gotta just numb yourself out from all the you gotta ah. break yourself down to the point where it's like it's okay they didn't <gasps> laugh Kind no, of. Not even. Yeah, it, it, sh it shouldn't be. Uh, it should just be. They didn't laugh. Not that it's okay. That's just like mm. what it is. It doesn't have mm. to be okay. It doesn't have to be bad. It's just a That's thing. True. They didn't laugh. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, j just from me, from like Josh and I uh, doing a bunch of these episodes and talking with different guests and everything, what I've come to understand is that whether it be in acting, whether it be graphic design, or or being comedy, the artist truly has to kill the ego. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing. Like when you talk mm -hmm. about bombing or at least like having a joke, not pan out and being okay with that. Mm -hmm. I think the first instinct would be to take it so personal because why Absolutely. don't you like me? But what I'm just hearing from you is doesn't work, man. It doesn't work. You move on with it. And it's that kind of yeah. mental fortitude that I, that I swear that you've reached a point where I think I'm still striving for right now. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I, I really, I'm not, I'm not quite there it, uh, there in like other aspects of my, my art game, but for sure in my stand-up game, I'm there. But like, uh, same with acting. I haven't been doing that for very long and that can, uh, can be pretty brutal mm. at times. And, and I don't necessarily have a, you know, I can go to an audition and eat shit and then, and, and leave. I, I can't leave yet being like, yeah, whatever. I'll get the next one. Yeah. I'm usually yeah. like, damn it. I ate it. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of it is just ends up being like being able to set your own expectations going into into the craft of stand up or or acting. And like it's funny you mentioned like your first show is like, "Oh, I got a book show. There's a whole audience. That's great." It's like, "Oh, now this is my expectation." And then suddenly, you know, everything gets 
brutally realized that it's like oh that was not the right expectation Mm -hmm. um when you when you first like started going did you have like even before you did the book show and whatnot and like you weren't so experienced like do you do you remember what your expectation of kind of that idea of making it was it's like oh i'm gonna do this exciting thing i'm passionate about is like how far can i go yeah yeah so i definitely had like skewed expectations and i find Better than tempering your expectation. Best thing to do is just have no expectations. <laughs> <laughs> but that's very difficult. To do. That's, that that's is very, difficult, very difficult. But, to do. Yeah. Very, very difficult. To do. But if you can, oh, oh recommend. If no expectations, you're yeah. always gonna come out happy. Always. Exactly. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, because you always win. Yeah. yeah exactly. Doesn't matter. You know, as long as like nothing terrible happened, you're like, ah, oh, that's great. <laughs> so uh, as far as expectations go, I definitely thought I was like, okay, people are gonna see me. I'm gonna Get on TV shows, yeah. all that. Not that that doesn't happen, especially not in Canada. It's not a thing in Canada. <laughs> and uh, and I, I and then I once I started stand up and I like yeah. kind of been in the scene and stuff. I thought I was like, okay, you know what? Once I get to Just for Laughs, I'll make it to Just for Laughs. Someone will yeah. see me there. That'll be it. Made it to Just for Laughs. Nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> I have a line in my bio now, but no one's calling me up like, hey, we saw oh. you at the festival. I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> that's nothing. So it's great for me that I have it. But yep. did nothing for me, so they can go to hell too. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now I just, I just, uh, you know, all I care about is not having to have a day job. So far, so good. <laughs> Yay! Nice. Oh man. Even I guess when you when you did just for laughs, like, did that also feel like a oh, this is a watershed moment when like when and you're in it, right? Yeah, no, I, th- I thought for sure I'm like someone's gonna see me here, or you know, when I leave this festival, everyone yeah. in comedy city be like, "Oh, have you heard about?" <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Shit. Oh man. Well, that's oh. good to uh, that's good to keep my expectations uh, in check then on that as well. Um, oh, buddy, but yeah, I'll, I'll tell you something that uh, that was a, a little like painful to experience. Uh, I don't know if either of you who know who taylor tomlinson is but she's got like a netflix special and stuff yeah they night tv and stuff so yeah. she was on the uh the american version of the show i did at just for last same year i did homegrown she did uh, new faces yes and then she got like a netflix special i crushed I, I did like seven jokes i got eight applause breaks probably the best that i've ever had in my life wow no one no one, no one gave me no goddamn special or nothing <laughs> right because that's <laughs> that's Canada, like god damn it <laughs> That's the difference, right? It's like because the what is it? The um, Bong, right? Uh, very prominent, like Asian producer within the chronic yeah. scene. Like he he often likes to say it's like it's kind of flipped in terms of the industry in Canada versus the U.S. In the U.S., like if you can get on new faces in Just for Laughs, that's like a huge stepping stone in the industry because yeah. that's a much tougher thing to do. But in Canada. I mean, just for last is kind of what all Canadian comedians have to just get on. It's just, there's not so many avenues just for last. You'll just always find yourself going through that lane, but like mm-hmm. the opportunities aren't there, but it seems like for Canadian comics, like if I can just get on a late night show, that'll mm-hmm. mean like I'll made it. But in the U S getting on late night shows, is like, you know, it's a yeah. simple matter of booking. Yeah. So I always find that, find that pretty in, in, uh, interesting. It's just, there, there's not that kind of, structured filter way of like Canadian talent going from one step to like, Oh, maybe mm-hmm. networks are gonna, you know, get you on to do a show or whatnot. 
Um, yeah, and it's dumb because stand up is so easy to produce on like a television level. It's so right. cheap to produce. It's so easy to produce. You don't need like a staff of writers. You don't you need like three camera people, a theater, and just tell people you're going to be recording stuff. People show up. Like you don't even need to pay them to be there. They'll just come be a part of the studio audience, you know? Yeah. So stand up is so incredibly easy to, to film and produce. It's just, again, our Canadian media has done so much because it's, I guess for them, it's so much cheaper risk wise to just pay like a million dollars and license something as mm. opposed to invest like a hundred thousand into producing a few specials and then right. not having them come back. But like, there's so many good comics, uh, obviously at the superstar level, the, you know, like the, the Ali Wong's and the Dave Chappelle's, we don't have anyone, uh, like that, uh, here, but, uh, I would argue that, like at the you know the, the headliner level, uh, the and even at, at the, the the middle kind of like feature comic level in Canada, mm -hmm. we're I would say we're stronger than our American counterparts. I feel like American audiences like harder hitting comedy, but they're mm -hmm. way more lenient with what like what comedy is. Right. Whereas like here we have more British sensibilities. And we, we tend to be harder on people, especially in Toronto. Like outside of Toronto, it gets a little easier because you can say like racist bullshit, racist, sexist bullshit. And they, that like flies. But in Toronto, you know, and most of the cities in Canada, Montreal, uh, Edmonton's pretty good. Calgary's rough. You can say some crazy shit in Calgary. But <laughs> yeah. Edmonton's, Edmonton's very progressive. They'll be like, hey, what the fuck you say, buddy? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Vancouver, obviously. Vancouver's good, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just found that, yeah, I found that interesting. That was an interesting thing I learned taking class and hearing um, you and Joe talk about those differences, especially for you. I know like your style is is very like, you know, hitting the edge of what is like people are like, oh my goodness, can't believe you just said that. <laughs> um, but like in terms of you developing your style, and I know you talk a lot about um, kind of your experience um, as like a Middle Eastern stand-up and like an actor as well. Like how have you, and I asked Joe a little bit about this at, from the East Asian perspective, but like for you, now that you've worked several years in the industry, like how have you felt in terms of Middle Eastern representation in like the Canadian comedy or acting scene? Uh, yeah, there, there isn't a lot of it. There is some for sure. Um, in general, like, Middle Eastern people kind of suffer the same uh, same fate as like most South Asians and East yeah. Asians in that, you know, they become engineers and, and lawyers and things based on familial pressure. So I think that is like a huge kind of barrier to why there aren't, there isn't more representation. But I've definitely had like people, uh, mostly brown men, come up to me after the show and be like, oh, man, it's so nice to see someone that looks like me on stage yeah. and not yeah. like you know, Stephen Smith or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's getting better for sure. And I like to think I'm like doing my part by being out there and, and also mm -hmm. not being, uh, you know, a comic who kind of shies away from my right. experience as, as a racialized brown man in this industry mm -hmm. and the acting industry. Ooh, that's yeah, the worst. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, no, you know what? Stand-ups stand full of... Nothing but predators and <laughs> degenerates. So. Yeah, apparently, I feel like there needs to be one every year. You know, just you gotta get one to keep the rep going. Apparently, listen, this this isn't stand up. Isn't a thing for normal people. Like, there's always something like super True. traumatic that gets us into. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> and like acting for sure, I'm sure is is on a, a like a kind of similar thing, but not, not to this level. I feel like you really have to be hurt for, for stand up to be like, that's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. I feel like with acting, there's a lot more filters before like your bad behavior can be exhibited or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Because if anything, if you're actually up there, like your publicist will catch wind of something and, and he or she will tell you not to do it. Whereas like, I sort of comics would just go on Instagram live and do something really dumb. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And comics love to pretend that we're these like, all-knowing truth sayers they uh, because we would like to think that we're special <laughs> yeah so they, you know and and with that mindset comics have said some like insane things because they're like what i'm just saying the truth it's like you're being super racist right now you don't adapt <laughs> yeah 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 i just remember when joe rogan was making fun of bill burr for wearing a mask and then bill burr, and actually bill burr ripped him and he went, that was yeah amazing. yeah that was hilarious man yeah um joe rogan's such an idiot he's turned into like a real piece of crap <laughs> I know, I know. Dude, I, 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 you know I, what, you, do you know what it is? I don't think he turned into a piece of crap. I think he was always a piece of crap, and I'm just now seeing it for <laughs> whatever reason, you know? Like, it, blind spots, man, they're tough. Like, you can't yeah. see them until you see them, and then they're like, oh, shit, I can't not see it now. But, dude, uh, he was always a scumbag, I guess. <laughs> right. The alpha brain wore off, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I noticed, like, during the quarantine, you made yourself, like, a short film and everything. Uh, yes. It's great though. Like I love the ending when you said like the PM was uh, Google Sheets. That's awesome. Good call on Thank that. Um, did you find yourself having to create something while in quarantine? Like, does that innate feeling just drives no matter what scenario you're in? Uh, not necessarily. Like, there is for sure that part of me that uh, wants me to be always creating, uh, and like that's kind of why I got into stand-up too is I, I wanted to have something I could create and I, again I didn't know what to do I'm like I can write on a page and say it to strangers that doesn't cost anything to do yeah uh the reason why I made that short film is I do in general want to get better at making my own content because I again Canadian media and the you know the barriers to entry that they have and like mm -hmm. even even once you get in there's all these like weird hoops like I, i've heard of so many projects that got like development deals with like cbc and other canadian broadcasters and they just got like buried in this development process and like mm -hmm. i never heard about it again the person never talked about it again i'm like what happened they got paid like i don't know maybe maybe a few thousand dollars and then they just mm -hmm. like they just they basically just like pushed it aside until you forget about it and i'm like that's terrible like produce something what are you doing yeah yeah so mm -hmm. uh yeah with uh with that, I do want to get better at creating my own content and I do want to get uh, better at like filming and directing and editing. So there was a, a short film festival, an isolation like short film festival and they, they're like, oh, make a movie. So I'm like, okay, I'll try to make a movie and try to like, uh, I want to challenge myself because I've been, you know, doing stand up and whatnot. So I've been writing everything and everything I have has dialogue. So I want to be like, okay, let's see if I can do something without dialogue and still <laughs> right. tell a story, still move it across. Like, so it, and, and really push that like the visual part of the medium and, and see what I can do visually as far as storytelling goes. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was more, more for me to, to practice. It wasn't like, uh, oh, art, man, I got to get it out there and stuff. But, <laughs> uh, you know, w without externalizing it, I'm sure there's for sure a part of me that's like, come on, man, you got to be creating it. But, <laughs> but I, I, I try not to like embrace that side of me too much without, you know, uh, getting super douchey. <laughs> I, I like how you always catch yourself with that. It's like, come on, man. We're just putting out shit. Like, if it catches, it catches. If it's not, doesn't, it doesn't. Man. Listen, like, 
that that's a short film was so stupid. It was about me running out of toilet paper. And yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then I get a machete to leave the house. Like it's, <laughs> it's yeah. Oh, oh man. my god! Have, have you been? Uh, yeah. Have you been doing in terms of because like you're a working comic, right? So like not only are you more or less doing it every day, but like you know you're going out to do shows and trying to get you know those those days and stuff. How, how have you been handling kind of the sudden shift? in the whole process oh man not good not good yeah. i can tell you <laughs> again better now for sure but yeah yeah at first it's like what do i do with my life <laughs> like who am i even so much of my identity was performing stand-up oh. so once i was taken away i was like who am i why why do i exist what's anything uh <laughs> But now it, it's getting a lot better. I I was holding off on doing Zoom shows because I saw mm -hmm. one when quarantine first went down. And I was yeah. like, this looks nightmarish. I don't want to do any of this. <laughs> but also now I've kind of come to terms with the fact that this is the world we live in now. And this is going to yeah. be a part of it, you know, what, what stand-up is. So I'm doing my first Zoom show next week. Hmm. Uh, nice. And I've done one show live, but it was socially distanced and outdoors. And that was like ah. two weeks ago. And I've done one other show where it was like pre-recorded and broadcast over like a week-long uh, online conference that was happening. Cool. Oh, interesting. How how was the uh, social distancing show? Was it was it in like a park? Yeah, I it wasn't in a park. It was at a at a naturist retreat. So everyone's naked, uh, including myself and the other comics. So we're oh. all. But it was it, it was like a. It's kind of like this park slash campground where people are there year round yeah uh and like it's it's not like a clothing optional place like nudity is like the the standard and then should it get like colder you can put clothes on they're not like crazy about it. they're not gonna be like no it's i don't care if it's minus 35 naked right so <laughs> uh, not, not radical nudists <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but it was it was cool like the so they have like this kind of welcome center when you come in and that mm -hmm. welcome center has like a bar and a patio mm -hmm. uh the uh the show happened with us on the patio and then people there's like a front lawn and everyone was on that front lawn but like everyone was socially distanced everyone had their their you know yeah and we had um we had like wipes and hand sanitizer so when we were like passing the mic off and stuff we were like wiping it okay. down wow yeah man yeah the new, the new world we live in man this is how we do it i know yeah, mike mike technique is going to be completely different now it's like before <laughs> i just have it right on my chin and it's like Okay, cool. That's I not... told you, man. I told you. I, like, I, I said that was an option, but I told you not to do it. <laughs> and it's gross. <laughs> oh, that's, that is true. Oh, I remember now that you, you mentioned that. I've done it so much that is, it is kind of now just a second nature thing. But I do remember doing it on a really shitty mic in like Einstein Pub uh, and then realizing my halfway through my lip was, oh, touching, no. was touching parts of it that I didn't initially uh expected to but then i just i just kept going because we're just going through the set and then afterwards i was like oh no am i gonna expect something there tomorrow or is like yeah okay so that that is another thing i gotta change that mic technique absolutely yeah and pra practice with like something you can hold very close to your chin but just don't touch it but have just it, like, don't touch it. yeah frick I meant to ask you, like, yeah. how are Zoom shows? Do you just pin your own video or do you go gallery view and see the whole crowd as you're going? Uh, honestly, I haven't done one yet, so I don't oh, know. Okay. But uh, so I saw, I saw two. There was one Zoom show where, yeah, it was, 
the, the, the person hosting would pin whoever was doing their set. Mm. And then the, uh, the audience, they would, um, they would keep their mics on so you can hear the laughter. Ah. Yeah. And then the other one I saw was over Twitch. So someone had like a control over it and they were able to pass it off somehow through a link, I'm assuming. So we cool. just cut to that person. And it, because I was Twitch, you only see the streamer, you don't see, but Twitch was way worse yeah. because there's oh, no. nobody can interact the same way. Like in Zoom, where people can have their mics on and laugh on Twitch, that, that's not an option. It's just the person streaming. So yeah. everyone was just typing LOL in the chat. And I was like, I want to die. I'm not <laughs> even on the show and I want to die. <laughs> oh man. That, yeah, that's how you're supposed to gauge whether a joke was good or not. It's like, it, that was, that was a, another thing I learned from you guys. It's like, you really do need an audience to, have the permission like if, if you don't see other people laughing sometimes you'll be in your head and like you won't laugh i can and i know exactly watching zoom stuff like just from me watching comedies at home like i don't laugh uproariously when a joke is on a tv as i usually just go it's like huh that's funny and then that's <laughs> that's it that's you can only do that when you're like by yourself Surrounded looking at it yeah yeah and it's um yeah zoom shows do look pretty insane so i i guess for me i've been trying to hold off as much but like definitely for professionals you still got to do something in that area yeah and it, and it's uh and honestly the only reason i'm doing this show is because it's paid but, but right you got to do you gotta do it but it, it, it is it is going to be good practice for me as well like i, I am going to benefit from this it, it's not yeah. going to be the exact same as stand up but uh it, it is good practice because i haven't been doing my jokes and I, I was pretty good with remembering them once because I didn't really practice before I did either the, the, uh, the social distance show or the, mm -hmm. the recorded one. Yeah. But there were like tags I missed. For the most part, I had the joke down pat. I knew how to, but I, I also struggled a little more with like picking my jokes. And I'm like, right. oh, shit, what jokes do I have left? I don't even know what I've done so far. So that was like a little more challenging. Whereas like, you know, before quarantine, that wasn't an issue. I could just go from joke to joke to joke. And I didn't have to like pause in between to think about it. Mm. Whereas now I, that's, that's kind of suffered in like little tags here and there. I, I forget. Right. Yeah. That's another thing I guess I learned from doing more shows and talking to, to more comics about that. It's like initially I thought when you go to do a five or 10 minute set, or even like eventually you get the headlining, it's like, Oh, you have everything in order, prepared and ready to go and you just stick to it. And then I've been learning a bit more though. Like once you've been in it for a few years, like you have enough jokes, you have enough experience in front of audiences that like, if an audience reacts to something in a specific way, you can more naturally like just pivot. It's like, oh, then this other jokes I prepared is probably not going to work. I'll go into something that I think will work. That was something I never really thought of. It's like, how do you then like compile your sets for like shows? Or if you're doing like long shows, do you go on the fly and be like, I got to switch some jokes up? Yeah. So I, I, something we talked about in the class is not like, especially in longer sets, not burning through one subject for an extended period of time because it becomes right. kind of like cumbersome. You're like, okay, hmm. another joke about weed. Oh my God. What up? Is there nothing else to your personality sort of thing? Yeah. So, uh, and I have like jokes that can be grouped up. Uh, I try to do like with, with shorter sets, I often am doing one or two new jokes. So I will try to do like the newest strong joke that I can open with mm -hmm. and close with like, again, the newest, closer like joke that will land as consistently as possible and as hard as possible right and then in the middle i, I will throw in like whatever i'm working on at the time but for for longer sets it's it's definitely kind of like a more fluid thing because if i i what i used to do whenever it was maybe like under five years in 
I would have a very defined set list in my head and I would repeat like the titles of all the jokes. So I knew exactly the order mm. to hit them. Yeah. Uh, in a longer set, that's like really difficult to do to have basically like, let's say 25 titles in your head of like these jokes that come out to, you know, 40, 40, 45 minutes. Uh, it's, it's, it's way more brain power than I need to like, you know, uh, commit to it. So I, I just try to have uh, like a, a bit of a Rolodex in my head and I'm lucky in that I have like a very good memory with things like this. I'm able to recall yeah. a lot of information. So that's never been like uh, a problem for me, which is nice. Exactly. But yeah, it, 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 I, I do find now more, I'm more like with the flow and whatever I feel like in that moment and I'm able to adjust a little more easily. Mm -hmm. But I do have like a, a very mm -hmm. loose kind of guideline as to what I want to do while I'm up there. I try to hit at least like a few new jokes. Right, yeah, and that just takes time. It's yeah. like, that should be the expectation. Like you shouldn't have that expectation within the first few years of being able to do that. It's like, it takes no, time and, yeah. and effort and experience. And yeah. Again, it's that, it's that like, uh, you know, once you have the structure, then you can start to play with it. But I, I and mm. that, that structure of having that defined set list in my head of me going through, okay, the titles of every joke front to back. So I know like over and over again, so I know exactly which joke to hit. Uh, probably has allowed me now to like really develop that, that role that's of jokes in my head. Cause I've, you know, repeated the titles in my head so often that I'm like, okay, I know I got to hit this joke, this joke, this joke. So now I can be like, which joke do I need? And I just go through the titles in my head. Mm, right, right. In terms of disruptions to the, uh, the planned list that you have in your head and everything, have you had any like hecklers that have to deal with? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's part of the course with stand up. Uh -huh. uh, most often with me, hecklers are very supportive and they don't realize oh. they're being hecklers. They, they think yeah. they're helping. Please. And, yeah, yeah. and I find, yeah, I, this is, I, th I think this is just way more common with, with, uh, with hecklers. A lot of times people, because of like movies, they think hecklers are going to come out there and be like, Hey, I'm going to beat you up or your joke sucks or whatever they, it is. Usually they'll like shout stuff out because they're trying to add to the joke and then they, uh, or, or they want to like really encourage you or they'll be like, that's so true. That's so funny. Oh my God, this guy's hilarious and, and things like that. Uh, <laughs> which is a little more challenging to deal with because oh. you can't come down on them. If they come, if they come at you like a, you know, a jerk and like, you suck, you'd be like, fuck you, buddy. Like, <laughs> everyone's like, yeah, tell them, you know? Yeah. I, and, I, and something I, I told Josh, I, I told this to many, too many students, I think, because it's for sure not everyone's style, but like my style of comedy can be pretty abrasive. So when mm. people pipe up and I don't want them talking, I just tell them to shut the fuck up. I'm like, Hey, shut the fuck up. And usually they get the point. But again, if someone's like, very nice They're like you're so funny and i'm like shut the fuck up like, wow this guy's a jerk this guy needs to like fucking get out of shit. <laughs> that's true so so it's, it's way more challenging to deal with you have to politely explain to them like hey you're disrupting the show or you're interrupting my timing because i was about to say a punchline you said something and i have to address it and that joke is screwed i can't go back and repeat it i can't be like all right where were we oh yeah the setup so I was walking down the street, it's like, oh, yeah, we don't care anymore. We've lost the show. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no uh, cut. Let's roll the tape and uh, restart yeah. the cameras on Back there. to ones, everyone. <laughs> oh, man. That's the most Canadian heckling I've ever heard in my life, man. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'll tell your audience uh, a little secret. People think heckling is the worst thing you can do to a stand-up comedian. It is not. Silence yeah. is yeah. deafening. You yeah. want to hurt a stand-up comedian? Don't say anything. That will kill them. 
yeah. I'm sure, man. I, I'm just imagining like someone typing LOL to substitute for a laugh. Like that would even be killing me, man. Like I don't give a shit about your text, man. I want to hear something. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, man. Yeah. Oh, dude. Um, also, uh, I'm just on your Instagram too. You're, you've gone incredibly ripped in quarantine and everything. Has quarantine made Thanks. you more active? Uh, so I was like relatively active, uh, basically around the same time I started stand up. So I started kind of working out cause I got into stand up and I've always been like a weird, like against the grain kind of person. I don't know why uh-huh. it's just my thing. I'm just like, everyone's like, I'm walking to the left. I'm like, I'm going to the right. Yeah. So if there, I'm like, I'm going off that cliff. I don't give a shit. <laughs> so when I started stand up, I'm like, okay, I really want to differentiate myself. I knew that was always going to be an important thing. Uh, so, and like, eventually I wanted to act and be in movies and stuff. So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to get a head start on this, like action body, whatever. I don't think I'm ever, I'm almost 40. I'm never going to be an action star, but I figure yeah. if I, if I make it in, in Hollywood, I'll have to be like lean. And I've always, always wanted to be fit myself just for mm. myself. And, uh, I started working out in, in like, uh, 2015, 20. 16 or 17 i think it was i mm-hmm. i got like super super lean uh for some like weird contest like unhealthy kind of lean. <laughs> uh it, but i was able to, to stay relatively like lean for for some time and then i had like uh after just the last actually i had like this pretty brutal like <laughs> the depressive episode that like was overarching it, it lasted for a very long time it lasted basically mm-hmm. to like I'm still still kind of in it, but like I'm kind of mm. emerging. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, so uh, it's still it's still a working process. But yeah, uh, just for last again because of my expectations. This is why you shouldn't have expectations. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I like coming back from just for last hurt me really bad, really badly, and like I didn't even realize how much it was until like maybe uh, or actually earlier this year that I'm like, whoa, I haven't like dealt with any of these feelings. <laughs> I mm. just maybe that's why I'm so sad all the time. So, so, uh, crap, where are we going with this? I'm sorry, I lost my attention. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no worries. And if you don't mind me asking, like, you did delve into a bit about your mental health and everything like that. Yes. Um, yeah. Can you go into ways that creatives can and should take care of themselves in terms of their mental health? Oh, 100%. Uh, mm. Meditation is a good one. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't do a lot of that, I, I do do a fair bit of stretching. So that's kind of like meditation. Yeah. Uh, one that I don't recommend that a lot of creatives do is drugs. Uh, <laughs> but hey, man, that's you know we can't we can't all be monks and meditate all the time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely. Uh, and and also, also just like feeling your feelings. That that's for sure been the uh, the hardest one for me because mm-hmm. I grew up in a family where emotions were like bad. Oh. Yeah, you know, you know how it is. Oh, we know, (laughs) we know. There's always that element there, where it's like emotions mm, in the future. Save that for the future. Are we gonna address in the future? No, save for the future again. No, just never. Yeah, save that for the future. Save your expectations of that for the future. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So yeah, I think just like really feeling your feelings and allowing yourself to be sad or whatever it is you're feeling. I think it's also incredibly important and uh, something that I I heard recently that I thought was like incredibly. made a lot of sense and and very profound is that healing never feels good like 
it's always mm. like a painful process mm, right. to get to the other side of it. You know, like I, I, I've never broken a bone, but I imagine it hurts while it's like healing, you know, especially in the beginning when like the bone is kind of like fusing back together. It's not like a nice feeling. You're like, wow, my legs never felt better. You're like this hurts a lot. So yeah, so, yeah, so healing, healing yeah. Takes, uh, takes a lot of pain. Oh, and, uh, and to go back to uh, getting ripped. Sorry, that's what I forgot. Uh, getting oh, yeah. ripped over quarantine. I, uh, yeah, I, I'd let my diet slip for a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I figure I'm like, okay, you know what? I want to, I want to get super lean again. It's been mm-hmm. quite some time. Uh, in like 2016, I was like, kind of like sickening. Like I said, I was like sickening kind of lean. <laughs> oh. I had this one picture of me, uh, from like, yeah, from the summer of 2016. And I was like so shredded and I, I showed it to a few people. I'm like, look how cool this is. And like, they're, Every, every time the reaction is like, that's disgusting. Don't show me this shit. <laughs> that's so mean, man. But, oh. but I get it. Like, I, I'm oh. super, super lean. Like, I, I still have muscle on me. I don't look emaciated or anything. But, yeah. like, you can see, like, every single striation. And I'm like, I don't even know how Ooh. I got that low. That's weird. <laughs> uh-huh. That's odd. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, once, once quarantine hit, I'm like, okay, you know what? I can't go to the gym. I can't get, like, I can't add any mass to what I have. So I'm just going to try to lean the, the heck out. And uh, it's been working. I'm able to like see my most of my abs again. I uh, I had this I had this joke about how I am like sad and I cope with my sadness and depression by going to the gym and working out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I lift my shirt up and I show my abs and I say, "Look how sad I am." There's a whole like <laughs> there's a whole punchline to it. But that That's... that joke that. Jo- yeah, that takes that a long part. time to to get to that joke, man. That's yeah. a, that's a lot of effort. It, yeah, for sure. But that also for maybe like the last year, that joke stopped hitting as hard because I I let my diet slip, so I was like soft. <laughs> so when I lift my shirt up, and I'm like, look how sad I am. They're like, we don't see anything. I'm like, oh no, now I'm actually sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's, that's, that is kind of, that's, if anything, that's like the purest form of really gauging where you are at physically. If that joke lands, it's like, all right, I'm doing, I'm doing that. I'm still doing it. Yeah. I'm still doing it. If that joke doesn't, oh shit, I got to make some changes. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Yeah, I know that that joke is always going to keep me in check with my fitness. Yeah. Can I be honest with my fitness? I don't know. I'll find out. Still do this joke. Nothing like an audience not looking at you as silent and being like, oh, right. And then having yeah. that as the motivation. <laughs> totally. You know, I, I remember like, you know, getting, going from get, doing that joke and getting like catcalled by the women in the audience to just like silence. And I was yeah. like, ooh, something slipped. Something's there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's, that's hurt even more. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, I think we're getting close to, yeah, well, we're getting close to the end of the, the podcast. Um, usually kind of, towards the end once we've gone through discussion and like talked a bit more gotten a little bit more insight i know kind of we've established that it's best not to have an expectation just to like kind of keep your head focused work hard on on the craft i'm wondering now like moving forward that you are like a working like do you have maybe not necessarily expectations but like goals or like specific aspirations that you want to hit you like within the in the future yeah, absolutely. And I think I think especially in Canada, it's impossible to be unless you're you're in certain streams. I think mm. it's impossible to be like a, a a single faceted artist. I think you have to be doing everything. Right. Uh, mm. So you know, and that goes for 
most of the performing arts in Canada, especially acting and comedy and whatnot. You can't just be an actor. You can't just be a comic. You know, you have to also write. You also have to direct. You have to do everything. Uh, and I have uh, <clears throat> I've been doing this program through BIPOC TV and Film. Shout out to BIPOC TV and Film. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend you both to get involved with them. They're a really fantastic group by, run by the amazing Natalie Younglai and Jay Vadia, who are yeah. absolute gems. And they're both uh, writers who work in Canadian TV. And they started this, this, uh, this organization to just get more uh, BIPOC you know, individuals into Canadian TV writing rooms because TV, Canadian TV writing rooms, Canadian TV in general is incredibly white, but like the writing rooms and behind the scenes, it's like crazy white. Like Kim's Convenience is written by a bunch of white people, which is like, mm. and like In's Choi is there. And he gets, you know, final yeah. say and stuff, but eh, kind of like lessens the authenticity of the show. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Steven True. Williams writing for <laughs> Mr. Kim. Oh, Mr. Kim. Oh, <laughs> right so, that was uh, a surprise so, yeah yeah so i so i think uh like the mm. so that through this uh program uh BIPOC tv and film they did uh, they, they or excuse me this group they did this program uh called the, the kids tv writing boot camp and it was basically like this uh like three-month program where you mm. go through and they teach you how to write uh like a pilot episode for a kids tv show so like, because kids oh, okay. tv out of everything is like the, the widest middle-aged mm. cis white guy industry in the world it's just a bunch of like middle-aged white dudes who have kids got into the industry and now they're all like 60 to 80 right. years old writing kids tv shows and that's all these writers rooms are so they're like we want to get more more BIPOC individuals into this uh into these rooms and yeah so they i, I finished that program uh i think yes no not yesterday uh last week was like the, the official final day of the program oh, nice. uh and yeah, we all like have uh, final drafts of these like uh, kids TV show episodes that we've been working on. Nice. And it's been really helpful to like learn structure and stuff. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, by the end of the year, I'll be back in like another writing room of some kind. And I could just kind of nice. keep that as, yeah. as my new thing because that pays. Like I, I'll never stop doing stand up, but stand up, there's like very little money in it. You have to be incredibly crafty yeah. uh, mm -hmm. in Canada. Uh, even in the U.S., it's not like if you are making a full-time living as a comic and you're not like you know doing specials and, and selling out theaters and whatnot. You're it's an incredible grind. You're touring like crazy. You're going from comedy mm. club to comedy club to comedy club. Like it's not a it's not a fun life. Mm. So I would much rather just have like a paycheck that allows me to. And also, if I'm in the writers' room, then I can like write myself into to shit. That's be, like, true. Oh, That's true. Like wild coincidence. The character's name is Foad. That's oh. funny. Wow. <laughs> it's also on the, the the title of the strip, but it's, wow. That's yeah, crazy. Like, All right. So I got the, got the role. <laughs> All right. Let's go. <laughs> Well, why, why go through the hassle of uh, trying to hire oh, yeah. them? How many right are there out there? Oh. There can't be that many, especially <laughs> not in the arts. Yeah, that's the hustle. <laughs> that's the hustle. That's the, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, no, I, I look forward to that. I remember, like, talking to you about it. And it's like, that was something I'd never thought of before. And, like, uh, like we, we had a chance to chat after a show over, I think it was last Thanksgiving in, in Ottawa as an absolute comedy. I just happened to be there for family and, you were yeah. there. It was, it was a nice coincidence. And then, yeah, you mentioned totally. the kids, nice. the, the lucrative children's TV show market and it hasn't been tapped. So, yeah, that's always something people could look into. Yeah, absolutely. And like, so we, we've been doing most of the class at first was 
basically story structure and how to like format scripts and whatnot because mm -hmm. a lot of these people are very very new to it but not that i'm like some sort of expert but i knew how to like structure uh, a script and a story to some degree so it, but it's been incredibly helpful regardless but the uh we've had a lot of guest producers come in and talk to us and it's been like okay. so much of this industry is just making connections to people yeah. and like just maintaining mm -hmm. connections and stuff uh, and then, you know, if they need someone, they'll contact you and be like, hey, we need a writer. Are you available? Come on in sort of thing. It, there's mm -hmm. no like job postings. There's yeah. no like to be like, oh, submit. Boom. Done. Like it's, it really is just word of mouth. But something someone said, one of these uh, guest speakers that uh, really resonated with me was she's like, uh, she, she was talking about how uh, she's had to deal with like racism. She's a racialized woman. And, and she's like, well, you know, these people like screaming slurs at me and whatnot. I can't do anything about it. I've tried, I've tried talking to them, they, they can't listen. But I can put messages of like empathy and inclusion into their kids' heads because they're going to watch my shows. And then those kids are going to grow up and, and call their parents out and make these videos that are like, no, actually, Black Lives Matter. You can't say all lives matter. And here's why that's racist. Yeah. Uh, so, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely want to be making content for adults. Like, my stand-up is definitely not for kids. <laughs> but... At the same time, like it, it doesn't hurt to just it's have fun. more skills and be versatile and be able to do a lot of things. You know, why yeah. do you want to be a one trick pony? Shit, if I can make some kids laugh, hell yeah. And then I'll make their parents laugh, my dick jokes. <laughs> just go all across the generations, all yeah, yeah. up and now, down no the generation tree. No, no one's safe. You're all going to laugh, motherfuckers. I'm coming for you. <laughs> sick, sick. Looking forward to it. Um, okay, so usually as well, just to kind of as a palate cleanser at the end of our podcast, we mm -hmm. just we do like a word association little game. Uh, so I'll say 10 words. Um, so like after the first word I say, first word that comes to your mind, clear your head. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'll go through my list and then Lucas will go through his. So mm -hmm. if you're up for so a hold on, we're, we're each doing a list of 10 or we're doing one yeah. at a time? I, I'll, I'll do 10 words and then he'll do 10 words. And then, it's and then just, I'll do 10 words. And then... Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, you just oh, rapid okay. fire off of our oh, okay. list of words. Yeah. So like first one, like first word I say is family and then immediate dog. word that family dog. Nice. Uh, okay. Next word. Pineapple. Juice. Rain. Fall. <laughs> just, I'm just completing these. All right, let's see what okay. Alone. Me. <laughs> Motivation. Uh, flimsy. <laughs> Kumquat. Ooh, untasted. Mountain. <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> Tightrope. <laughs> Challenging. Satisfied. <laughs> Delicious. And ending. Ooh, death. <laughs> poignant, poignant, right on the thing. Uh, Lucas. On the, two on the nose, two on the nose. Two on the nose. All right, all right. Clear your head, man. Get loose. First word that pops out, okay? Let's all go. right, all right. Hands. <laughs> uh, wrinkles. Fit. Tight. Isolation. Ooh. Terrible. Feet. Sweaty. That's what they are right now. It's hot. <laughs> it's hot. Connection. Sorry? Connection. 
connection. Uh, making out. Ooh, nice. Uh, shoulders. Ooh, round. <laughs> Memory. Ooh. Uh, painful. Cats. Funny. Raptors. Smaller than believed to be. I know that was too many words. <laughs> <laughs> That's good though. Yeah. And the last one, Fawad. <laughs> Heart in Arabic. Yeah, that's what oh. it means. Oh, <laughs> oh, that, oh, that's a nice little that's a nice little bookend to everything. All right, right. great. Uh, Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> that's that's perfect. Great. And of the podcast, thank you so much, Fawad Hart mm-hmm. HP, uh, for being on the podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Lucas and Josh had a great time. Awesome. Great. Uh, oh, uh, and yeah, um, is there anything you want to promote? Or usually, like, what are your social media handles and stuff like that? I'm on everything at Fallout HP, uh, including TikTok now, which is terrifying. Oh, wow. Trying oh. to impress the, the teenage kids yeah. they're not having any of it. But <laughs> <laughs> everything is F-O-A-D-H-P. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Don't follow me on Instagram unless you want to see slutty photos. All I do is post slutty, mostly nude photos. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of my thing. Got to give but the people what they know, want. If you want jokes, yeah, yeah. If you want jokes, come to Twitter. I, I, I make jokes there. Uh, I am very left-leaning uh, and uh, anti-oppression in my sensibilities. So if you like cops and stuff, don't come to my social media. <laughs> solid, solid. But if you're like down with BLM and shit, we'll be all right. For sure. All right, great. Not that I think that's not your fan base. I assume most of your fan base is, but just like a content warning, I guess. So people are... <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, like right now, I would say our fan base is... I feel like we know our fan base on a personal level because they're all just <laughs> friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, we'll we'll yeah. figure out who's yeah. new. Who's 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 really pro cop and who's uh, who's yeah. down with a cab. <laughs> Josh, we should probably talk about business, but we should probably stop buying ad space on Breitbart. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know what? What so, you guys are you guys are gonna post this on Stormfront? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Infowars I mean, too. Those click through rates, I mean, have not been. <laughs> Not been making. Oh man, millions of comments, all of them slurs, but so many comments on them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. At least it's not apathy. I mean, at least you're getting somewhere. Um, it's something we we discussed that something. silence it's is something. the worst. You want to hurt someone? Give them silence. If you, you yeah, give them some reaction is a reaction. We got that. <laughs> yeah, trolls really just care about your feelings. That's what it is. Absolutely. Trolls are just showing you they care too much. I just want you to have a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, Lucas, what are your what are your handles? Uh, you can find me on on uh, Instagram and on Facebook at Lucas John Ng. Ng is two letters N and G. And Josh, perfect. Uh, yeah, you find me across everything at Josh Hang Comedy. And um, also look out for my second podcast called Sleep with Josh, uh, where I read things in my monotone voice to get you to sleep. The, I'm, I'm pretty happy about my latest episode where I count sheep for an hour. So that's, uh, that's going to be, that's an exciting one. Go check that out. Uh, but yes, that's everything. Also follow this podcast, please. Um, at H W M I Y podcast across everything. And, uh, have we made subscribe. it yet? Yeah. Have we made it yet? And on YouTube. Great. Perfect. So that's the end of the podcast. Thank you guys so much. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you. Both. Perfect. Have a good time. See you guys Thank next you. week.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 